and thank you, Ruth and Nathan, for leading us tonight. Genesis chapter 48 tonight, but also I want to begin after you find Genesis 48, actually in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 28. Hebrews 11 is the, what we call sort of the hall of fame of faith. It is that place in the Bible where God sort of highlights some events out of the lives of his people in the Old Testament, uh, their great exploits, if you will, that God records for all time, and he records them in this one chapter, Hebrews chapter 11. Excuse me, it's not Hebrews eleven twenty-eight. it's Hebrews eleven twenty-one. Because this is what we're going to be looking at tonight. We're going to be looking at the chapter where Jacob blesses his grandsons, Manasseh and Ephraim, the children of Joseph. He not only blesses them, he actually adopts them as his own sons so that they can receive an inheritance through him. And so note something. Out of all the events in this great patriarch's life, all the exploits that Jacob has done, all the acts of faith, that Jacob has done. This is the one thing that God picks out and chooses to put in his word for all of eternity. And so we read in Hebrews eleven twenty one 21, by faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped as he leaned on his staff. If Jacob would have looked over his life, would this have been the one thing he would have chosen to sort of represent him or to put in the word of God as maybe his highlight? Probably not. And I started thinking about that, even for my own life, and I wonder about your life too. If God chose one thing out of our whole life, to say this is what represents them the best. This to me as God is what I would put out there. I wonder what it would be. And can I say, it would probably be a different choice than our choice. What God would choose for us to represent us would probably be different than what we chose. But I, I want to say a couple things about this verse because what it does show us is it shows us really the heart of God and what he's looking for in all of his people. What's the first two words? By faith. God loves faith. God responds to faith. God says in his word, without faith it's impossible to please me. The one thing that Jesus was amazed at when he was here on earth was the expression of faith. So I think God is always looking for faith in his people. And when you and I do anything by faith, that catches God's attention. The second thing here is that what we see is that Jacob is realizing that he has lived his life and he is living his life for something much bigger than himself. It's not about him. 
It's about him and all those who came before him and all those like Manasseh and Ephraim, his grandsons who are coming after him. And so God also really loves it when you and I realize it's not about us. <laughs> not just about our agenda and what we want. It's a much bigger picture. And the more we live with that in mind, the more I think it pleases the heart of God. And then the other thing we see here is that he worshiped. He worshiped as he was dying. Sometimes the end of our life, even as Christians, can be a time of weakness of faith, a time where we struggle. And I think one of the things that God is commending Jacob for is that Jacob finished strong. Jacob was strong in his faith and in his worship of God up until the end. As I've said to you before, he sort of is an example of someone who died with their boots on. Someone who went out well. And so would you turn back with me to Genesis 48? Because we know that's true, because as we begin Genesis 48 tonight... We know that it's based on and built on Genesis 47, where at the end of Genesis 47, what was Jacob doing? He was giving clear instructions about his funeral because he wanted his funeral to be a witness and evidence of his faith. He wanted to be very intentional about what his funeral, what his memorial service said and how he went out of this world. And, and what it was going to say is there's more to this life than this life. There's more to our existence than just our earthly existence. And that we can trust the promises of God because everything that Jacob did was built on his trust that God would be true to the promise that he would bring his people one day out of Egypt and he would plant them in the land that he promised them. Which is why we're going to see that Jacob ends up being buried later on in the book of Genesis back in Canaan. So, let's begin chapter 48. And what we see here is Jacob shaping his legacy. Think about that. You and I, even right now, maybe years before we die, maybe decades before we die, we're still already begun to shape our legacy. And we'll talk more about that tonight. After these things, Joseph was told, your father is weakening, he's near death. And so note, of Joseph takes the initiative here as sort of the leader now of the family, the one that the responsibility of the family is going to be passed to that he wants to have one more pass with his father before his father passes away. But it's not just him now interacting with his father. He wants to take his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, into his father, and he wants them to have a special time with their grandfather before Jacob passes away. So he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, with him. And when Jacob was told, your son Joseph has just come to you, Israel sort of rallied. I've seen that. I've been in many a hospital room, a, a hospice unit, and others where people are very near death, but 
but sometimes they just, they have this sort of burst a few hours, a few days before they pass, and they sort of, you know, have this burst of strength, and that's what Jacob was displaying here. And he sat up on his bed. It was almost like God gave him the ability to to have his senses about him more than maybe he had had for quite some time. And Jacob said to Joseph, the sovereign God appeared to me at Luz or at Bethel. Luz was the name of Bethel before Bethel in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And then Jacob goes on to rehearse, if you will, in the presence of Joseph and his grandsons, the promises that God gave him in Bethel. Remember, this was significant. This was that moment where he was running for his life from his brother Esau after he had fought him. And God comes to him and appears to him. And the first thing that he sees is this elevator, or as we call it, Jacob's ladder, that goes up and down between earth and heaven, and he sees the angels going up and down on it. And then God appears to him and begins to remind Jacob about the promises that he gave to his grandfather Abraham and to his father Isaac and that he would be true to his promises to him too. And so notice something here. At the end of his life, What is it that he's thinking about? Because remember, Jacob was one of those sort of Eeyore-type characters. Oh, woe is me. Remember, my life's been difficult. My life's been painful. And, And I'm not discounting that. But now notice at the end of his life, he's not talking about all the pain and the difficulties of his life. What's he talking about? He's talking about his God and what God has done for him. That's what he was talking about at the end. That's what was most significant. In fact, we're going to see tonight what was really on the heart and mind of Jacob at the end. And what that tells us is those were the things that really, at the end of it all, was most special and significant to him throughout his life. And so the first one was that very first sort of intimate time that he had with God there at Bethel. And then he built that altar and he began to worship God there at that place. That's what he's recalling here. And notice he calls his God the sovereign God, God Almighty. And he refers to God many times then as he speaks about God to his son Joseph and to his grandsons Manasseh and Ephraim. You see it in verse 3. Notice if you go over to verse 11. He talks about God has allowed me to see your children too. Verse 15. May the God whom my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, walked, the God who's been my shepherd all my life up to this point. Then if you go over to verse 20 and 21, he mentions God again. May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. So over and over again, he's referencing God because at the end of his life, what is most important to him, what has been most significant and special to him is his relationship to God. And seeing how God has been with him all the days of his life and how God has blessed him, in a sense, at the end of his life, what's he doing? He's counting the blessings that God has brought to him in his life. And the biggest blessing is God himself. I think you and I will be the same way. No matter what happens in our life, 
really when it comes down to it, all the things that maybe we think are important and significant and special, they will sort of fade to the background. And at the end of it all, when we're getting ready to go into eternity, the thing that we will cling to is our memories and our moments with God on this earth. That's what we'll remember. That's what will be significant to us. But that's not all. And notice also, he also says in verse 3, the sovereign God not only appeared to me, he blessed me. And now in this chapter, Jacob is going to pass that blessing on to his son and to his grandsons. Again, an important principle. God blesses us so that we can then bless others. We are blessed to be a blessing. And the more we are aware, like Jacob is at the end of his life, of how blessed we are, the more then we want to impart and pass on blessings to others. And as we said last week, you can fault Jacob for a lot of things, but one thing Jacob always did is he always brought a blessing when he met someone. He always brought a blessing when he greeted someone. And I think God wants us, his people, to do the same. Notice as part of this promise, something I want to point out here is at the end, in verse 4, he says, look, God told me he will give us this land and he will give it to our descendants as an everlasting possession. I want out of that word everlasting for you to concentrate on the second part of that word, lasting. Because when God does something in our life, it's lasting. Everything God does, that God does, is eternal. It's not temporary. God wants to do things in our life. He wants to do things through our life. He wants to give us things to possess that are lasting. Lasting. It's one of the incredible things about God. That's why when God truly blesses us and rewards us and all of that, he's going to wait until we get to eternity. Because he doesn't want to give us all that he has for us here because we'd have to leave it here. He wants to wait until we get to enjoy it forever and ever and never have to part from it. And that's why God tells his people, then don't get so attached to this world and to the things of this world because that's not what you're really living for. That's why Jesus says to us, lay up treasure in heaven because that's where God's focus is at. That, that's, that's where God's priority is at. It's not the worldly stuff. It's the eternal stuff. He wants us to be involved in things that last because that's what God's involved in. Verse 5, now as for your two sons who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt, they will be mine. That's significant. Jacob is not only blessing his grandsons, he's adopting his grandsons. Why is he doing that? So that they can receive his inheritance. Not just Joseph's inheritance. They will also receive Jacob's inheritance. Jacob wants these two grandsons to be, in a sense, doubly blessed or especially blessed. Now, remember, at the beginning of this chapter, I said that this chapter is all about shaping our legacy. All of us have a choice in that. And that choice 
is really determined by more than anything else, not only are we going to live by faith and trust the Lord through our life, but who are the people that we're going to partner with and do life and ministry with on earth? Who are the people we're going to invest in? Who are the people we're going to allow to be investing in us? Because we're human and we're limited. We're finite. We only have so much time every day, every week, every month, every year. We only have so much energy to go around, so much that we can be involved in. So we can't go deep with everybody. We can't be iron sharpening iron with everybody. We've got to follow the example of Jesus, who even when he called his disciples as the Son of God, he only called how many? Twelve. And even out of those 12, he didn't have the same relationship with all 12. There were three, Peter, James, and John, that were sort of his inner circle. Not because he was playing favorites, but because I believe that they were willing to go further with Jesus than the other nine were. And Jesus really invested in Peter and John. Two, think about that. Even Jesus poured himself into really just two. You and I have to determine who is our best investments? Who are we going to allow to? Because again, we can't do it with everybody effectively. So who are going to be the few people <clears throat> that we're going to invest in knowing that our investment then is going to be pay really good dividends because we're choosing someone of high quality that we know is going to carry on and touch others as well. And so it's not just going to stop with us and even with them. It's going to be this ripple effect like the pebble in the water that just continues to ripple out over and over again. That's what Jacob was doing. It was like, at the end of my life, I'm shaping my legacy primarily with three people, my son Joseph and my two grandsons Manasseh and Ephraim. That's, that's who I want my legacy to be linked to. That's who I want to be connected with, and we're going to see that even more. They will be mine. Ephraim and Manasseh, verse 5, will be mine, just as Reuben and Simeon are. In other words, just as my own sons. Any children that you father, Joseph, after them will be yours. They will be listed under the names of their brothers and their inheritance in the house of their father. But as for me, ah, oh, what's the next thing that bursts into Jacob's mind and heart? The love of his life, Rachel. See, at the end of his life, you and I will know one day when we get there who or what was most significant to us. You know why? because they'll be the ones that are on our hearts and minds at the end. And who's on Jacob's mind and heart more than anyone or anything else? God, his sovereign God. But you know who else always has had a special place in his heart? Rachel. There's always been that special love and affection that he's had for Rachel. And so notice, he remembers her. And he says, ah, 
for me. When I was returning from Padan, Rachel died to my sorrow in the land of Canaan. It happened along the way, some distance from Ephrath, so I buried her there on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. That's another memory that is very significant and special to him. Because why? Because Rachel was special to him. Rachel, Rachel was the love of Jacob's life. When Israel saw Joseph's sons, he asked, who are these? Not that he didn't know them in a sense that they were his sons, but remember, he's just meeting all these people for the first time. And Joseph said to his father, they are the sons God has given me in this place. Notice like Jacob, even before Joseph dies, that Joseph is giving God the credit and the glory for everything that happened to him good in his life. Who gave Joseph these sons? God did. God gave them to me. They are a gift from God. Keep your finger in Genesis 48 and go back to Genesis 45 for just a moment. Genesis 45. Joseph says two other things about his God earlier on that, again, shows God's getting the credit for what happened in Joseph's life. Verse 7, God sent me ahead of you to preserve you on the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. God sent me. Then verse 9, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. I didn't make myself. I'm not a self-made man. God made me this. God put me here. It's all God's doing. God sent me. God made me. God gave me. I love that. In a sense, Joseph is saying, it's all because of God. Everything that I have that's good and great and glorious and lasting in my life and significant and special, it's all because of God. God is getting the glory for it through Joseph. And that's the way God wants us to be as well, to recognize, again, the goodness of God in our life. Back to Genesis 48. His father says, bring them to me so that I may bless them or impart a blessing to them. Now, Israel's eyes were failing because of his age. He was not able to see well. So Joseph brought his sons near to him, and his father kissed them and embraced them, expressing great love and affection for his grandchildren. I'm at that season of my life. I get to express love and affection to my grandchildren. That's, that's a special thing, a special thing. Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see you again, but now God has allowed me to see your children too. couple things. I not only think that Jacob here is saying, oh, I got to meet them. I think he's saying, remember, it just said his eyes and his eyesight was failing. I think what he's also saying here, not just that, oh, I get to meet them. I think he's saying God even now is giving me the ability to be able to see them more clearly than I could have ever seen them before so that I actually see what my grandsons look like because maybe it was cataracts, maybe it was just old age. I don't know, but obviously his eyesight was terrible, and now he gets to see. God is even giving him that gift at the end of his life. And I love this, what Jacob says. He says, 
I never expected to see you again. You know why that phrase is significant? Because we're reminded that our God is a God beyond all expectations. There's a lot of times in our life, I didn't expect that. Yeah, but God. God does exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. He's the God that goes beyond. He's the God that allows us to experience things beyond our wildest dreams and expectations. I have to believe every last one of us in this room that's a child of God, we could say amen to that. That there are times in our life, moments in our life, events in our life, people in our life that we go, God, that was beyond my expectation. I never dreamed it would be that good or that great. So Joseph moved them from Israel's knees, verse 12, and bowed down with his face to the ground. Joseph positioned them. He put Ephraim on his right hand across from Israel's left hand and Manasseh on his left across from Israel's right hand because Manasseh was the older. So therefore, the right hand was the hand of the, the firstborn, the one of greatest blessing. Then Joseph brought them closer to his father, Israel stretched out his right hand and placed it on Ephraim's head, although he was the younger. Crossing his hands, he put his left hand on Manasseh's head, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And then, before he blessed his grandsons, he imparted a blessing to Joseph. And I love what he says to his son, Joseph. He says, may the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked. What's Jacob reminding his sons and his grandsons of? that you and I can literally walk before the face of God every day. This phrase isn't talking about walking with God. Notice the emphasis is walking before God. And literally in the Hebrew, it's walking before the face of God. In other words, Jacob is saying, there's not a moment of our life, there's not a second of our life that God doesn't take his eyes off of us. Everything in our life is lived before the face of God. That should be a great encouragement and comfort and strength to every one of us. And I think that's one of the things that Jacob wanted to impart to his sons and grandsons. Then he says, also, my God has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. The word shepherd speaks about leading, yes, but it also speaks about accompanying. Just being our company. We're never alone with God. And then obviously caring for, because that's what shepherds do with their sheep. They not only lead the sheep, they not only accompany the sheep and keep them company and are always there for them, they also care for them. And God is that for his people. And then he makes reference to the angel, I think, of the Lord, the one who he wrestled with. And I believe that that's a reference to Jesus, pre-Bethlehem. And he says, the angel of the Lord has protected me, literally been my kinsman redeemer, and kept me from all harm or evil. It doesn't mean, again, that Jacob didn't experience any bad things. It means, though, that the angel of the Lord prevented him from experiencing something from which he could never recover. You and I need to remember that as well. It's not that God promises us, again, that 
our life will be free from trial and tribulation and suffering and pain. But what God does promise us is, I will protect you from anything from which you could never overcome. Because in me, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Bless these boys. Prosper these boys, Lord. And may my name be named in them and the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac. I love that. What's Jacob saying there? He's saying, God, I want us to be so knit together so intertwined in people's minds and hearts that when they think of them, they think of me. When they think of me, they think of them. That we are connected. When someone thinks of Manasseh and Ephraim, they think of Jacob. When someone thinks of Jacob, they're thinking of Manasseh and Ephraim and Joseph. We're all in this together. You got people in your life like that? We're just sort of... We're together in this. We're connected. And we will be connected together for all of eternity. Mm. May they grow, multiply, increase into a multitude on the earth. Just a few more minutes, and we'll wrap this up. Notice, when Joseph saw that his father placed his right hand on Ephraim's head, it displeased him. The only time in the Bible... The only time in the book of Genesis, the only time in the story of Joseph that it says that Joseph was displeased about anything. And where is he displeased? Dad, you're making a mistake here. Manasseh's the firstborn. He gets the greater blessing. So he took his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. Joseph said to his father, not so, my father, for this is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But I love this. Even at his old age, very feeble at this point, right? God's given him enough strength to basically say to his strong son, no. No. You know what? It's okay at times to say no. It's okay. And then Jacob says this, I am fully aware, my son, what I'm doing. You may think I'm old and feeble and frail and that maybe I've lost some of my faculties and maybe, yeah, but at this moment, I am very well aware because the Spirit of God is leading me to do what I am doing here. And that is so cool and so important for us. Listen, There are times where we have a plan and and where this is the way things normally go. Firstborn gets the greater blessing. Get all that. But you and I, even as New Testament Christians, always have to be open to the leading and moving of the Spirit and how the Spirit wants us to go and the direction of the Spirit. And Jacob is showing how open he is to the Spirit of God and to the leading of God right up to the end of his life. I can tell you from experience, that normally on a Wednesday and Sunday, that's how Nicole and I have to operate up here. We have a plan. We have the songs that we want to sing. We have the passage of Scripture and all that. But we are never trying to be up here and not go throughout the whole service. Okay, Spirit. See, we're, we're, we're doing multiple things. 
we're leading worship, we're teaching the scriptures, but we're also gauging what's going on in the room with all of you. We can sense maybe at times through God what's going on here, and then we're also trying at all times to gauge, okay, Spirit, what do you want? Where are you taking us? And there's times where I've planned on going somewhere in the scriptures, and it's literally like I could hear the audible voice of of God go, no, Jeff, I want you to share this verse instead of that, or I want you to now turn to this passage instead of that. (laughs) And you don't see this, but I'm like doing, I'm doing this little conversation with the Spirit. I'm going, but but, but Spirit, I, I, I studied that. No, okay. And I mean, obviously, it's doing it in a split second of time, but these things, that's exact, and you've, I'm sure you've experienced that too. That's exactly what Jacob is doing. And the thing that I I guess surprises me because I know how closely Joseph walked with God is that Joseph sort of should have seen this coming. I, I mean, how many times before Joseph and even after Joseph did God choose to do something a little different than what was expected? Especially when it came to passing out blessings it was seth rather than cain it was isaac rather than ishmael it was jacob instead of esau it's ephraim instead of manasseh i mean you go on even in the bible when samuel is sent to anoint the next king of israel and goes to the sons of jesse And all the great older sons of Jesse are all there. And he's looking down the line going, none of these. Do you have anybody else? Well, yeah, our younger brother, he's this little runt out in the fields taking care of the sheep. Yeah, that's God's choice. See, again, God's choice many times isn't our choice. Because, again, we look at the outward appearance. We look at the externals. We look at sometimes the worldly things and the way the world would do things. And and not that God always goes against that. Sometimes he did bless the firstborn. But God's ways, as we're going to see Sunday, are not our ways. Because God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. And God chose Ephraim. And Jacob, his his grandfather, was just being a conduit for the Spirit of God at this point. And he says, I know he too will become a nation. And he too, speaking of Manasseh, will become great. In spite of this, his younger brother will be even greater and his descendants will become a multitude of nations. So he blessed them that day, saying, by you will Israel bless, saying, may God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. So he put Ephraim before Manasseh. And then one more thing. Israel then says to Joseph, I am about to die, but God will be with you and will bring you back to the land of your fathers as one who is above your brothers. Now, basically, you're the leader of the family. You're not the oldest, but you're the leader of the family. I give to you the mountain slope, which I took from the Amorites with my sword and my bow. Folks, this is something new that up until the end of his life, we didn't even know that this happened. It shows that, man... Jacob was a little bit of a warrior. He was a little bit of a military guy. He, he won a great victory over the Amorites, and we never knew about it until the end. And why is that significant? Because obviously the most important things that we pass along to others are spiritual things and spiritual blessings because they're lasting. 
But notice a principle here too. Even the material or physical thing that Jacob is passing on to Joseph is very of very high value to Jacob. Why? Because he risked his life to obtain it. He fought for it. It wasn't something that was just handed to Jacob and now he's just handing it to Joseph. It is a piece of land that he fought for, that he could have died for, that he sacrificed for, that he sweat, you know, blood for and tears for and all of that. And so that's why it means more to Jacob. It's of greater value to Jacob because of what he had to go through to obtain it. And so when he places it in Joseph's hand, I'm sure that that meant a lot to Joseph. It's like, wow, God, jo Jacob, my father, you're giving that to me? Yeah. And it's a reminder to us about whatever is of greater value to us are the things that we should pass on to others. Because they mean the most to us, then they'll probably mean the most to them too. But I want to leave with this. Because this is something we're all going to have to go through one day. Every last one of us here is going to have to say goodbye to each other at some point. We just are. To point it unto us, we're going to die, right? But I love what Jacob said to sort of reassure his son and his grandsons. He says in verse 21, I'm about to die. In other words, I'm not going to be able to physically be here anymore. But notice these next six words but God will be with you. When you and I have to say goodbye to each other, God is still with those that we've left behind. God never leaves. And that's why even as we die, if we're truly trusting in God, then we know he's going to take care of and still be looking out for because all of their life is lived before the face of God too. And he will take care of those that we have to say goodbye to and leave behind until we're reunited with them again. Because though we can't always be here for one another, God can. And those days are coming whenever we say goodbye to those that we dearly love on this earth we can say the same thing as Jacob. I'm getting ready to say goodbye, but God will be with you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight that we've been reminded, Lord, that even at the end of our life, how strong our faith and our worship can be and how, Lord, we can even be shaping our legacy to, up to the very end of our life, realizing, Lord, that we are part of something much bigger than ourselves. So, Lord, I hope tonight that our time of worship and our time in the Word has been spiritually profitable and beneficial for each and every one of us, and that we can all say it was good to be in the house of the Lord. Thank you, God, for all that you are and all that you do. Like Joseph and like Jacob, we would not be who we are or what we are or have what we have without you, God. You are the greatest blessing of our life. And that will never change. God, go with us as we go home. And Lord, be with those tonight who are watching from their home. May you give us all a great night of rest in you tonight, Lord. And wake us up ready to serve you once again tomorrow. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless.